Friday night. Welcome to the Irish NFL show, the final Friday night live before the draft, which is only six days away. I can't believe we're on the draft. Delighted to be joined, first of all, by Colm. Colm, welcome. welcome. How's it going? Uh, it's, been, uh, it's been an interesting evening already, and uh, I think we still have uh, a lot more to come. We will get to that in due course. Love, love the shirt. Uh, going from one lovely shirt to another. We got Brian in Dublin. Brian, how's it going? Good. Very good. Yeah, Colm is obviously you didn't read the email properly. Jeff's invite to Hawaii is next year, Colm. <laughs> just, just getting in, getting in the the spirit of things, Brian. You know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, from one part of Dublin to Dublin two, Dublin three. I think we got Mark in in the house tonight. Mark, how's it going? Bad, Mark Martin, is with us, I think. Is he? Yeah. Is it working, Mark? I'm here. He's here. I'm going to bring him in and bring him back. Let's see if it works this time. <laughs> is it all pixelated for you guys? Because it's pixelated for me. So uh, we're just going to keep him there and see what happens. If it works, happy days. But our first guest tonight, uh, who works with the Cowboys, with the Athletic, John Mashoda. Now, John, I really hope I pronounced that correctly because it's been a long week, a long day, and hopefully it works. But uh, welcome in. How's it going? It's going well, yeah. You know, you pronounced it perfect. Awesome. Uh, John, we, we, we ask everybody this, but have you any Irish heritage? Have you ever been to Ireland before? Or? I, I haven't. You know, uh, probably the closest I ever, I haven't left really the, I mean, I went to, I've been to Canada and Mexico, but like when the Cowboys traveled to London in 2014, I had gotten hired full time like a month before that by the Dallas Morning News. And so they had already done all their travel. And so I didn't get to go to that game. So unfortunately, I, I haven't got a chance to to go over on, on that side of the world yet. But eventually, one day, I'm going to get over there. Well, with the, the league seemingly intent on playing more games overseas, <laughs> hopefully we might see in the not-too-distant future. Um, I suppose, John, look, the, the Cowboys are always news. But um, in the news today, because Ian Rappaport tweeted that he is, quote, pretty sure that the Cowboys aren't going up in the draft. Um, is that what what you're hearing and I suppose your thoughts on what the Cowboys might do in, in the draft next week? Is it nailed on to be cornerback? I mean, it's I don't think it's 100% nailed down. I think that's the favorite would be at corner, particularly, you know, Alabama's Patrick Sertan or, or South Carolina's J.C. Horn. I would say that that would be who you would be betting on. Uh, you know, I mean, at 10, there's a lot that can happen before you get there. I mean... Just a couple months ago, I never would have thought there were a possibility of five quarterbacks going before pick, pick 10. I mean, the, the whole Mac Jones possibly at three completely stunned me. And uh, so who knows exactly what could be there at 10. But I, I'll say this, the Kyle Pitts trading up for him, it just doesn't make any sense. Because to do that, you probably got to get up to four or five. And, and what you're going to take and have to give up to get to four or five, I personally believe the only reason you should do that is if you're trying to get a quarterback, like you don't do that for a tight end. And, and especially on a team like the Cowboys who they've needed defense for several years. And, you know, they draft CD lamb last year in the first round, which a hey, CD lamb has been great. And I think he's going to end up being one of the better receivers in the league for a long time, but it just, you kind of sit there and you're like, at what point are they going to address this defense with a, with a high pick? And so to give up several picks to then move up and take another offensive player in Kyle Pitts is great as Kyle Pitts is. And I think he's going to be a pro bowl player. It just doesn't make a lot of sense for what you'd have to give up. John, just taking, you've touched on that offense and how expansive it is already. Just going back to last season, and I suppose the season itself probably didn't materialize in terms of how Cowboys fans would have would have expected. Mike McCarthy, halfway through the season, there was a lot of stories coming out that he'd lost his, he'd lost the locker room. Um, players were a bit disgruntled. And then there was the, the moment in Minnesota the night before the Vikings game, the watermelon incident. They got on a bit of a run. It kind of petered out again. Is he is he on the clock in a sense for the second year? Is it a make or break year, or is it is he going to be allowed the whole COVID scenario and all, everything else is going on? Yeah, I think COVID played in a, a big factor, and in, in I just would be really surprised if he didn't get at least three seasons. Now, in saying that, if this season is just terrible and they obviously the pandemic shouldn't be as much of a factor. And then the fact that you get back Tyron Smith, you get back Lyle Collins, and then most importantly, you get back Dak Prescott. You'd think that they shouldn't be in that conversation again, but if they were somehow to only be like a four or five win team. And again, like you mentioned, there's, there's things coming out of the locker room of, you know, uh, issues and, and, and not, you know, being on the same page with the coaching staff. Certainly uh, you, you can't rule that out, but, but 
Jerry Jones has been a guy that's been pretty loyal to his coaches. You know, I mean, uh, there's many that believe that he probably should have went another direction from Jason Garrett a few years before he did. And, and he kept, you know, he stuck with him. And so I, I, I would be very surprised if he doesn't get at least three seasons to get this thing right. Um, but even saying that is kind of surprising in, in its own right, because of the fact that Mike McCarthy was hired to get this team to the next level. You know, it wasn't like Jason Garrett had them, you know, in the top 10 every year drafting, like they were a team that was, you know, on the cusp and had made the playoffs. They just couldn't get to the um, NFC championship game. Obviously haven't been able to get back to a Super Bowl. Mike McCarthy was brought in here to, to get them to those new levels. So uh, there shouldn't be any conversations this year about only six wins or seven wins. I mean, this should be a team that has a winning record. Joe, I mean, as you know, well, the, the Cowboys are internationally famous and internationally supportive. There's a great deal of Dallas Cowboys fans in Ireland, obviously. And, um, you know, I know they, they follow uh, the, the writings of all the b writers, especially yourself and the team and Dallas Morning News closely. And uh, things like your, your colleague, Rich Goslin, with his special teams rankings every year is followed by every NFL fan, I think, and seeing who and why that, that part of the game is lacking. But... Obviously, you focus on the Cowboys and you're there daily. You write about them, you know, daily um, and, and you see the comings and goings there. We're coming up on nearly 25 years or over 25 years of yeah. hurt now for the Dallas Cowboys in failing to win a Super Bowl. They have lucked into quarterbacks. I mean, when you consider the production they've got from an undrafted quarterback and now a fourth round quarterback, it seems like inevitable they should have been or at least back to some championship games. You mentioned the defense, you mentioned other things. I mean, seriously, though, what is missing and why and what is the secret ingredient that has been lacking during this time? Well, since I covered the team, I started covering the team in, in 2011. And in this time now, we're going on a decade, the defense at really none, no point during that run was good enough that you would think, yeah, they could, they should be able to win a Super Bowl with this defense. And to a fault, Jerry Jones loves that offensive, you know, the, the big name that everybody knows that, you know, is going to sell tickets and get people interested in the team. You know, they could have taken Caleb on chase on the edge rusher out of LSU last year instead of CD lamb. And, and it would have made sense because they needed defensive help, but you go get CD lamb and then you go give him number 88 that obviously Des Bryant wore and Michael Irvin and Drew Pearson, like, and it just, it's always been, and I shouldn't say always, they have drafted offensive linemen, which that isn't exactly the most, you know, attractive thing, but it just seems like they always focus on the offense to a fault. And so it's amazing that it's been that long in a league of parity, like the NFL, where the NFL's goal is to have everyone right around 500, a little bit above, a little bit below. The NFL's goal is not to have anyone only win five or six games. So it doesn't make sense for the most valuable sports franchise, uh, you know, to be this far apart from, from, cause here's the thing. It's not even like they've got to Super Bowl and then they just keep losing when they get there. They are not even getting the NFC championship games. And so uh, when you look at just, like I said, since 2011, I started covering the team, there really isn't many years where I was like, man, they blew that shot. They should have won a Super Bowl because even in 2016, it still was one of those things where I was like, yeah, you know, this defense is going to catch up with them. This defense is just at some point you're playing every round you go deeper in the playoffs. There's a better chance that you're going to be facing a better quarterback, whether it be Aaron Rodgers, who's been just an absolute thorn in their side. And even if you get past an Aaron Rodgers, then you're looking at for several years, it'd be, you have to face new England and Tom Brady. And then recently it's Patrick Mahomes in Kansas city. So, you know, if you don't have something on defense that can at least slow them up a little bit so that they're not just sitting there and picking you apart, you're not going to beat one of those good teams either. And so I would say this, if, if there's any Cowboys fans that want a little bit of hope, I would say the, the biggest thing I can give you is the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles. If that team can win a Super Bowl, everyone should kind of think that, <laughs> hey, you're kind of in that area because not only do you look back at that team, it's super forgettable because there's not really that many good players that stand out from that team. But now there's stories that come out like one by some of my uh, coworkers at the athletic here about just how much dysfunction is behind the scenes, you know, cause that's always the thing with the Cowboys. There's so much dysfunction. Jerry Jones wants to do this coaches, whatever, but the Eagles ended up winning in 2017 with just a, a, a roster and, and stuff behind the scenes that would just make you scratch your head. So if you're a fan of the Cowboys or really any, any NFL team that hasn't gotten it done, that should be your hope. If, if that Eagles team can get it, I mean, Maybe a little luck needs to be on your side, but but keep hope. Keep hope alive. 
various things there. Obviously, first off, shout out to the Irish Cowboys, uh, John, the big group on Twitter as well, obviously from the Emerald Isle. As a neutral, I love that Super Bowl. And I'm just going to put Mark full screen here while we can. Big Patriots fan, just so we, so we put it there. Yeah. Uh, anyway, John, back, back to the football. You're saying you've been on the beat for the Cowboys for a number of years now. The Cowboys were the first, they're always the first team to do something, but the first team to have the draft in stadium. Uh, I'm presuming you were there at the, at the time, yeah? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I went to the the draft, uh, I don't know if it was the year before there or two years before that in Chicago because they were about to have it in, in Dallas. And um, just to be completely honest with you guys, to to be at it is kind of overrated. I, I honestly, because it's all about the first round and it's all, so for yeah. the first round, it's fun. I should say that. But like, I co- I've covered most years from their practice facility. And so after each round, you know, we get the player on the phone, but then we also get a, like a press conference usually with the head coach and then Jerry Jones and Steven Jones. And there's just some of the best times to get good information, not only when they're at the press conference, but when they leave the press conference and we get to talk to them out on the side and just having been to the draft, it's such a spectacle that it's just like, it's kind of like the Super Bowl where it's like, it's very, very clear. It is made for TV. You know, the, the, the viewers that are there, that's the second hand thing, but it's made for, to look great on television. And so, yeah, it was cool to have it at the stadium. Um, but to be honest with you, I think watching it at home with your friends might be even more fun and you save a bunch of money. John, I suppose, look, the, the Cowboys, as I said, they're, you know, huge following um, in this part of the world, as well as, you know, the, the bunkier America's team. Obviously, that 90s era, like what, what a football team they were. But obviously, off the field, you know, boys will be boys. How, how much do you wish you'd been covering the, the Cowboys in the 90s? All the time. Um, it, you know, I, I told you guys before we started recording that I'm originally from Detroit, and the Lions haven't come close to obviously playing in any Super Bowls either. And so in the 90s, man, the Cowboys were, not that they're not always on TV now, but man, I mean, even in Detroit, like all the Cowboys, all the primetime games, like, you know, even in Detroit, there was just people constantly wearing Cowboys, Emmett Smith jerseys, Deion Sanders, Troy Aikman. And that's when I was, uh, I'm, I'm 39 years old now. So, I mean, that's right in my heyday of when I just started like really falling in love with the NFL and just all the backstories with that team, the way that it was like, they're a team that they partied hard, but then they also, they also played at a level that was dominant. And I know the league's changed now. Cause like I said, it's, it's such a league of parody. Now they don't even want teams to be that dominant, even though, Teams like the Patriots have found a way to be that way during this era. But, like, yeah, I, I absolutely would. I, w- I would have loved it. Now, I probably wouldn't have loved the constant, like, worrying if someone was getting arrested. I would say I don't love covering that part of the Cowboys, and that's always a part of the Cowboys. There's, it seems like that every, if not every team, every other team that they have, seems like there's always a couple guys that you got to, you know, kind of be ready. There might be something that comes down there. Um, but, But for me, it just – I don't know. I, I just I haven't covered a team that won a Super Bowl. So I, I, I think that covering a team that wins a Super Bowl would be just a huge amount of enjoyment. But then also the fact that the Cowboys, if they did just on the level it would be on. Uh, the other thing with them is just the celebrities that follow them uh, when we're out at training camp and things like that. And then how many celebrities that like the Cowboys, but kind of stay quiet about it because they haven't been. You know, all of them are coming back into the fold if, if all of a sudden they start winning like that again. And so um yeah, it would be it would be wild, you know, especially not growing up a Cowboys fan. I didn't think I'd ever care about that. But then moving down here and it just yeah, the the amount of interest in the team and it's not like they've come close to win a Super Bowl in the last 25 years. So if they did, let alone to have a run like that early 90s where you thought they were going to be a team for a decade like that, I can't even imagine. Yeah, it would be a blast for sure. John, you touched on the press conference at, at the draft, the fact that Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones are there alongside the head coach. You know, most teams it's general manager plus the head coach. And we, we were fortunate to speak to Jane Slater and she did discuss the fact that Jerry is so highly respected in the local area and what he does for the community. But is there a sense from Cowboys fans that he should, to a certain extent, release the reins and allow Stephen to take more control and run, run the, the team efficiently and he takes a step back? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's been the case with Cowboys fans for a long time. And I feel like it, you can almost measure it in, it, it depends, like, it, if you tell me someone's been a Cowboys fan for a long time, I will put them in the group that probably wants Jerry to step away. 
like and, or, or step to the side and let Steve take over. Like the longer you've been a fan of the team, I feel like the most fans are like, we've seen this enough year after year. Like if, if we're going to win a Super Bowl, there's something has to change. And so, no, I, I definitely get that, that, that feel from Cowboys fans for sure. It's been like that for a long time. And while Steven Jones is, you know, very media friendly, he does radio interviews. He, you know, he's at the press conferences and stuff like that. He's not going to be like, like Jerry Jones, you know, I mean, that, that's something that, uh, you just look across the NFL, you look really in anything. It could be politics. It could be business ownership. How much is, is the son always like the father? I mean, it's very rare that it's like that. There's always going to be some differences. And, and Stephen has some things that are like Jerry, but he's also different in a lot of ways. And I thought that Stephen would probably step outside a little bit more and let the, you know, the, the coaches and, 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 and the scouts maybe do their job and kind of stay away a little bit more than his dad, but he's always going to have his name, you know, involved with it just because, I mean, Hey, that's what his, that's how his dad taught him. But um, I can understand why people would want, you know, Steven to kind of take over, uh, you know, a bigger part of it. And that's certainly in place. I mean, that he has been made very clear and he's around all the time. So that's certainly the next thing. But as long as Jerry Jones is alive, Jerry Jones is calling the shots with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, John, I, Colin's mentioning boys will be boys. And I always think of Jeff Perlman's brilliant book about that time back in the 90s and that the White House. They, they had the White House of the Dallas Cowboys, which uh, was infamous, shall we say. And I mentioned about your time with Dallas Morning News, and obviously now you're with The Athletic, but you've been covering the Cowboys now for 10 years. So the question is very simple. And ask anybody who covers the Cowboys this. Best Jerry Jones story. Oh, that's good. That's good. And it's funny that you, I'm glad you brought the Jeff Perlman book because I actually reached out to him after I got this job down here. And I told him how, like, that's one of the first books that I read, like cover to cover. Like there's so many books that I'll start, I'll skip a couple chapters or I just won't finish. But I mean, again, and that's when I was living in Detroit, I had no reason to even care about the Cowboys, but that book was, was just so outstanding. And, and the thing is that there was a lot of people that would say like, oh, you know, some of those stories are a little bit blown out of proportion, things like that. And since I've been down here, I find I've, I've come to find out almost all of that is completely true. Uh, so uh, it's, yeah, that's a great book. If, if Even if you don't like the Cowboys, it, it's a great read. Um, Best Jerry Jones story. There are so many, and I'm just trying to think of my, personally, like my favorite one. Um, Man, that's tough. Uh, man, let me think, let me think, let me think. I'll say, while I'm thinking, that, I'll just tell you that one of the best things about covering the team is that every year out at training camp in California, uh, you know, Jerry's there every day. Uh, you know, some owners would just come there for like a little bit, maybe stay for a week or something. He's there every single day. Uh, and he almost will always stop and, and, and talk. And he always hosts this media party every year that's out um in malibu which is just a, a beautiful spot um and it, it's just interesting because everyone's kind of laid back and and jerry will just tell you that some of the best stuff behind the scenes like off the record that just gives you a good background of of things with the team and it might not be stuff that you're going to write or report but it just gives you like a better understanding of how he's thinking and why they do certain things and there's just kind of like it's, it's just not the same as at a press conference when you know someone's like always guarded and, and, and isn't going to really give you the full truth. But Jerry, for the most part, is always it, it, in those settings, like he's going to pretty much tell you what's on his mind. But man, it, it bothers me that I can't think of one that just really stands out that I absolutely love. Um, I just uh, it, I, I will say this for any of those people that I mentioned earlier that that want to see Jerry step aside and Stephen to take over or anything like that. I can promise you that if they were on this call right now and Jerry was on this call, he would have them like eating out of his hand because he just is so personable and so down to earth. It's like, it's, it's almost, if you meet him, it's difficult not to like him because he's not like you would probably think most, you know, billionaires are and team owners are. He's just, you know, I, I mean, this isn't a great story, but just like one example is just like when we're out at the scouting combine or the owners meetings, a lot of times, like you're standing outside these ballrooms and you're waiting for like, you know, hours. And the only people you're talking to are like other reporters and you have to be there because if you leave and they, and he comes up, your competition is going to get denied. So you just, I mean, you're just camped out waiting and he almost never disappoints. He almost always delivers. And it's interesting in those settings because you're literally watching every other owner coach walk by other reporters and they're not even stopping because they, they don't want to give you anything else, but Jerry genuinely loves it. And because of that, 
I feel like this pandemic has been really tough on him because he's such a, a people person and he loves talking to other people. And I've never seen him once big time anybody. Like I've never seen him once like talk down to anybody or act like he was above anybody. Um, and so for basically anybody that wants to be critical of him for the way he runs the team, and that's completely fair. Uh, I will say that if you met him, it would you'd have a very hard time saying anything bad about him. It'll be interesting if we ever get him on the show to find out. Hopefully, yeah. he's going to do it at some point. Um, <laughs> uh, I think we might be we might have time, John, for for one quick question each. Um, one from me uh, because we have a Giants fan on the show uh, right now currently, so I'm going to ask you about the rest of that division. Um, surely, surely, with Dak coming back, and I know I know you're not biased, John, but in that area in Dallas. The Cowboys have to be a, a, a you know a very you know I wouldn't say a clear favorite, but they 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 they've got a very good chance of getting back to the playoffs next year. I know Fitz, Fitzpatrick's now in Washington, but it definitely sets it up for an interesting year ahead. Yeah, no question. And and the Cowboys have the highest expectations. They do. I mean they they've invested so much on that offense, and they're expected to invest a decent amount in this draft on defense. They went out and got Mike McCarthy, like I said. They just paid their franchise quarterback to make really the second highest paid player behind Patrick Mahomes. Like the window to win is right now. And while the rest of the team can say that, I don't think it's to the level of the Cowboys where they have to capitalize. I mean, for like the Eagles, they're still feeling out what they have in Jalen Hurts. Uh, Washington, if they were to somehow trade up and let's say maybe tr- like got like a Justin Fields or something like that, then maybe it, they're a little bit more. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, like no one thinks Ryan Fitzpatrick is taking Washington to the Super Bowl. And if you do, you shouldn't think that. But and then you have the Eagles, who they have a new head coach. They're going through some some transition. Obviously, Carson Wentz is gone. Uh, a lot of that team that went to the Super Bowl and won it is gone. And so you you just have the Cowboys kind of there as the team that like in that division, which is obviously the worst division in football this past year. They have to be the favorite if everybody stays healthy. And um, you know before the before the things came out about Deshaun Watson after the uh, off the field I kept thinking you know if Deshaun Watson somehow got traded to Washington then Washington steps ahead of Dallas as, as, as the clear covered in the division but if they're going with Ryan Fitzpatrick I don't see how it's not the Cowboys if they're healthy if you tell me Dak's going to be healthy all year Tyron Smith Lyle Collins the Cowboys have to win that division there's literally no excuse for them not winning it John, I'm just wondering in terms of Zeke, um, unfortunately for Zeke, it's, it's a little bit the, the law of diminishing returns in terms of like yards per game. We've seen it kind of decrease, but last year was particularly disappointing. Can Zeke get back to the force that, that he once was? You know, we talk about that all the time down here. Like, I don't know if he'll ever get back to 2016 because he was just, you know, coming out of college and just so fresh and he could take that pounding. And, you know, 2016, even in the 2017, one of the things that you noticed a lot is he would always try to like leap over defenders. And you've seen him like kind of take that out of his game and, and become more of a, a veteran of just kind of, hey, I've, I've done that stuff. That's kid's game. I'm, I'm, an, I'm, I'm an adult now. I'm not doing that stuff. I'm, I'm getting my head down. I'm getting an extra yard or two, things like that. I will say this about Zeke. I think a lot of it also depends on you got to see, like I said, if Lyle Collins and Zach Martin and Tyron Smith are all healthy, which all those guys battled injury this this previous year, I would think that things will be better for Zeke, but I don't know if he ever gets back to, to 2016. I mean, that was just the perfect fit for them. The offensive line was healthy. I mean, they caught lightning in a bottle because Dak came in as a fourth round pick that they got so lucky to even get and that to step in there and play the way he did. Um, so I don't know if he gets back to 2016 and if he doesn't and he struggles, then that's what it's going to lead to is just more carries for Tony Pollard. I mean, that's just what it's going to come down to they're, they, they, they have, they have too much riding on this season that, they're just going to keep force feeding him if he's not getting big runs. That, that's just not going to happen. So uh, Tony Pollard is, is steadily gotten better year after year. I think he's going to be a big part of the offense again, but it'll still be Zeke's show as long as, as long as he's healthy and he's running well. But if, if he drops off and he isn't the player they're expecting him to be, then it's going to lead to, to more touches for Tony Pollard for sure. John, depending on the generation of NFL fan you are, for example, if people say Phil Sims to me as a Giants fan, I think Phil Sims won the Super Bowl, but there's other fans who think of, Phil Sims, CBS commentator for so long. And come a few years on when the younger generation grow up and all they think of is Tony Romo as a CBS commentator, not the Tony Romo, who was the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. What was he like to deal with? Yeah, and, and, you're, and you're definitely right about that. I feel like that generation's coming on fast. Uh, Tony, Tony was good. I will say this. Uh, there's, a people, there's a few people that have covered the team longer than me, and they got to know Tony 
when he was an undrafted guy under Bill Parcells and you just knew he was never going to play. And he was like the third string guy for a couple of years there. And so when you're that quarterback, you're, you're just so easy to talk to in the locker room because no one's really asking you anything big about the team. You're not expected to give any big hot take or anything like that. And at that time, you don't really expect Tony Romo to end up being the franchise quarterback. So uh, there was, he was in the locker room a lot more. When I started covering the team in 2011, he was an established guy. He had already you know, been to playoff games. And so he certainly was only in the locker room when he absolutely had to be. So I was only around him when it was absolute, like, you know, press conference stuff. He had to be in there because frankly, to be honest with you, being the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, it beats you down. I mean, there's just so much media attention on you. And when you become a veteran, you're going to pick and choose your spots of when, you know, you're going to be around reporters and that. So I've definitely been around Dak a lot more just because of when I started covering the team and when he got drafted and, and things like that. Uh, but Romo was always good, super, super professional. Um, but with all of that said, I, I, I should also mention, I, I did not think he was going to be as simple as he's been on TV just because the Tony Romo I saw was a lot more guarded and he didn't want to give away a lot because whether it be for game plan purposes, didn't want to make headlines because of maybe the problems that would cause for the rest of the team. And he would kind of, you know, was more of, of kind of just being kind of brief and, and, and just giving you kind of a basic answer where I didn't, I just didn't see the guy that was breaking down plays like that. He didn't show that side to us. And so when he got that job, I thought it was going to take him a while to kind of get comfortable with it. But then when he started calling the play, predicting plays and then sharing stories and stuff like that, and he was such a natural, you're just like, man, you know, I, I, I just didn't get to see that side of Tony when I, when I started covering the team. John, Tony Romo, the man with a better dating history than a playoff history. Um, he uh, obviously, on, for media coverage, you know, it's annoying possibly in one respect how, how well he's done and how much money he's made out of it. But um, I actually, just when coming back to the team itself, we're all very conscious it was a strange year last year. It was a strange year with no training camp, strange year for rookies kind of joining with no preseason games and trying to adapt in. You know, there's almost an underlying story with all of the 32 teams that there's, you know, the biggest jump that most players tend to take is between year one and two as a professional. Um, is there any or are there any players in your mind that are kind of going below the radar at the moment that probably or you're expecting or thinking they've got a real opportunity to make a leap forward now with hopefully a slightly more normalized season that maybe aren't being picked up on or reported as much because... There's a lot of media attention on the other um, star, superstar players on the Cowboys. Yeah, for sure. I, I know one guy that jumps out to me is Tyler Biotish, is the center that they drafted last year to basically be Travis Frederick's eventual replacement as they're starting. And, you know, I thought he would have a chance. If there was a normal offseason, I thought he'd had a chance to win the starting job last year. But because there wasn't, he never really got that opportunity. And he got to play last year, but they're going to go into this year. He's going to be their starting center. And I think he, I think he's going to play well. And so I think that's one guy, even though centers don't really stand out a lot, you really only know about centers when they make mistakes, but I think he could be a guy. Um, I would also say that even though he had a really good rookie year, I don't think that CD lambs even scratched the surface. I think his best days are, are, are ahead of him. Um, I, I absolutely think CD lamb has potential to be like one of the top, like, you know, three, four five wide receivers in the league for several years to come. Uh, and, you know, he plays mostly in the slot because they already have Michael Gallup and, and, and Amari Cooper. But uh, I think there's a lot of room for him to grow there. Uh, in terms of other rookies that didn't get to play much, one guy that I'm really keeping my eye on is this Reggie Robinson. The, the scouts loved last year, but then the coaching staff, it just didn't work out. And they moved him from corner to safety, and he didn't get to play very much. But his size and what he brings is exactly what Dan Quinn, the new defensive coordinator, likes in his corners. So I think he's in a way better situation this year with a new defensive coordinator and his second season to kind of take that next step and, and possibly be a guy that can can contribute because he didn't really give him much this past year. But um, I could see yeah, any any of those guys because you, you make a great point. It, it was hard on those rookies to try. You didn't just you didn't have the rookie mini camp. You didn't have the normal training camp like they do out in California where, you, you know, you get kind of get to feel where you fit with the team in that. Um it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how much more comfortable they are this year. But as bad as everything went last year, the Cowboys, the one positive they had was their draft. I mean, I thought that they drafted, you know, they didn't reach on anybody. They took guys that kind of fell to them. 
And so, as you mentioned, year one, year two, that's where there should be a jump. So absolutely. This is a young man's game. You know, those, those days of the nineties where you had these guys playing in their 10th, 11th, 12th year, playing these huge roles, those days are gone for the most part. I mean, it's a young man's game. So several of those guys from last year's rookie class should be, should be taking on bigger roles this year. John, I think the one thing I'll say is this, as a non-Cowboys fan, I think everybody in Ireland anyway can at least always be enjoyed. There's always something going on in Dallas, and we massively appreciate your time. Hopefully we can get you on again soon to talk maybe before the start of the season or after the draft. But uh, thanks so much for your time on this Friday afternoon for you. Uh, really appreciate it. And folks, anybody, I mean, the, the, the big thing here is, John, we've got the Athletic over here in, in Ireland and in the UK. So check out John's work as well. But John, thanks a million for now, man. Oh, yeah, anytime. I had a lot of fun. This is good. Appreciate John. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. And that was John Mashola from the Athletic Boys. The Athletics talking about the Cowboys. We're now going to look at uh, the Broncos in a, in a little second. We've got Noah Fan coming in. Um, just going to check something. I'll be back in two seconds. But Colin, uh, all all good with John. There it was a good interview, wasn't it? Yeah, look, the, the Cowboys are a team that are always uh, interesting. Obviously, somebody Brian keeps a, a close eye on. But uh, as we as we discussed, uh, you know, they they are a team that um, the every everyone whether whether you love them, loathe them, or are indifferent to them, they're in the news all the time. It was great to see John going through the division and, and discussing the teams who could potentially be in the running for the division and he didn't even bring up the Giants. So obviously that's his. <laughs> He's made it very clear what he thinks of our chances. Last and that's hey, it. Hey, the Giants are still America's team, guys. I mean, the Patriots win six Super Bowls and it's still the, the, the Dallas Cowboys. So the Cowboys yeah, are still yeah. America's team. The Giants are just Brian's team. That's all it is. Yeah. And a few orders. Guys, a few orders. Don't, don't upset Brian, Lads, lads, we have a tight end and you know, a current tight end in the NFL he, up here. He didn't bring uh, his mind. Uh, he's, he's here, he's here, and, and we appreciate his time. Lads, welcome in. Uh, Noah Fant, Noah, how's it going, man? The audio, Noah, is, I'm, just, I'm not sure if, if, if you're on silent there on, on your phone, but if you want to check again, see if it works. Not sure if it's working, but uh, this is the joys of being live, Noah, so don't worry, it's all good. Let's say, uh, I'm going to try and kick you out and put you in again and see if it works. This is the joys of being live. It's good practice for draft night, and hopefully Noah will be okay. Let's see if it works. Try it now, Noah, see if it works. No? Okay. Um, Noah, if you want to refresh and come back in, maybe it'll work. I'll bring you in immediately. Sorry for the hassle, man. Okay. Michael, it's really the thing about 2021, or 2020 and 2021, the two most commonly used expressions are, sorry, I didn't realize I was on mute, and Michael, you're on mute. So, hey, it's Zoom life in, in the uh, COVID times that happens. I'm literally going to bring Noah. You see when Noah comes out, I'm going to bring him straight in, even straight if the screen in. goes black, and just see what happens. And hopefully it works. I feel really bad now. But obviously, guys. I think that's more false starts than he's had in his entire Broncos career. In fairness. <laughs> Here he is. <laughs> Noah, let's see if it works. All right. Can you guys hear me? Yes, indeed. Yes, thank, thank God for that. No. Welcome to the show. I can't hear you guys. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> oh, he can't hear us. <laughs> no worries. No worries. It's all good. It's all good. Um, let's see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you out and then see. No worries. Well, this, this is the joys of being live, Brian. The joys of being live. Right, absolutely. Yeah, you take your chances. Take your chances. Well, take your chances. See if it works. I'm going to just take Noah, see if it works. Um, I'm going to just take him off screen for a second, but we're here. Um, we will see. So let's see if it works now. Can you hear us, Noah? No? No? no. You guys hear me? We can hear you. We, we can hear you perfectly. I think he the problem is up. I can't hear you guys. My, my, you... my mic's working, but I can't hear you guys now. Okay. Uh, I'll just message you, but we'll see what happens. Two seconds. So guys, I'm gonna go off. You guys can talk about that trade and with the Chiefs, yeah. Two seconds. Yes, let's 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 do that. Um, you know, uh, Mark, I suppose your your thoughts on uh, on the Chiefs and uh, the the big news uh, this evening that um, Kansas have have traded and then brought in a left tackle to protect Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, well, I mean, they they haven't just brought in a left tackle. They brought in a pretty amazing and awesome left tackle, in fairness. I mean, that Ravens offensive line, Orlando Brown's play, has been superb over the last number of years. And that consistency is exactly what you want. Um, We've been lamenting, considering, commiserating the Chiefs on a kind of a shaky offensive line. Haven't been 
wildly impressed by dragging Carl Long out of retirement and noting that the loss of Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher, of course, were both missing from the Super Bowl, um, would be, in fact, big losses. So they've taken dramatic steps to uh, try to rectify it. I know my good friend Brian has mooted the idea that the Chiefs would trade out of the first round anyway, but they've traded out and some in making this big, splashy deal for um, their left tackle for the next season. It's also fascinating, of course, for the Ravens now, who are going to go into the round one, albeit with two later picks, but two first-round picks to refresh and hopefully make some difference makers or provide some difference makers for Lamar Jackson. So if they really feel strongly about trading up for an asset that they see is available, they've got a bit more ammunition to do so. So um, potentially it's one of those deals that could be win-win for both sides, but um, good for Chiefs fans to see them addressing their clear point of weakness and good for Patrick Mahomes' long-term safety and health as well, I would say. Yeah, Brian, looking at the looking at the deal from the outside, to me, it looks like the Chiefs got the better of this. But what are what are your thoughts? Well, uh, you know, Max alluded there. I did feel that they would trade out, but I thought in another way, I thought they'd move down to the second round. They would focus on picking up offensive line and they'd pick up a few other additional picks. But Colin, you made a very good point very early in the offseason. And once everybody was kind of saying, Oh my god, the Chiefs are letting these players go, they're gonna be in trouble. What are they gonna do to protect Mahomes? You said don't be surprised come the start of next season if they actually have better players on their offensive line. And if you look at those two players, Orlando Brown, Orlando Brown sorry, and Joe Tumney, who took him from the Patriots, arguably are two of the best guys in the league in terms of the offensive line. So you look at it from that point of view. And yeah, I thought it was, it was an expensive deal. They're giving away a lot. But then if you look at the team, you could argue they're stacked. They got to the Super Bowl two years in a row, won one, lost one. You know, you certainly, even now, you're putting it, you know, your top five teams for next season, who you believe would go back to the Super Bowl from the AFC, you would have the Chiefs up there, one, two, three. So I'm going to try and put no in, boys. I'm, I'm going to try and put no in. probably looked at it from the point of view as they can, Hello? they can run it back. Hello, can you, can you hear us? Here's the, can you guys hear us? Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. We can. Right, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, thank, thank God for that. <laughs> right, joined, joined live by uh, my brother's tight end, Noah Fan. Brian, I am first of all sorry, Brian, for cutting you off talking no about problem, that trade. No problem. But Noah, uh, Noah, welcome to the show. And sorry for the technical. This, this never happens. So we're very sorry. How are you? It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Noah, I, I know you were speaking to me and Colm on a different Broncos show a few weeks ago, but it's good to talk to a general NFL audience in Ireland. Um, have you ever have you ever been to Ireland? Have you any affinity to uh, to Ireland, or uh, do you plan on going in the future? I have not been to Ireland. That is one place I do want to go, though. Um, my mom's part Irish, um, so I definitely have some you know bloodline from there. Um, but I definitely want to visit sometime. Uh, it's, I've heard you know the the scene the scenes are beautiful and uh, you guys have beautiful landscapes, so I definitely want to go over there sometime. So. No, I think you got to talk to to Justin because Justin's got his uh, his mom is part Irish as well. So maybe you guys can both come over. And I know you said to us before that you're a golfer. We have amazing golf courses. I think you got to oh, yeah. come on over and, and do that. But look, we are we're less than a week away from the draft. So I want to take you back to this time, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, and like for for us as fans, you know, we see the the draft from the outside, but you've gone through it. Can you talk us through like what that experience is like? Like what was it like for you this time two years ago in the lead up to it, and then going through the process? Yeah, I mean, it was very it was very nerve wracking um, being there at the draft because I went I went to the draft in Nashville. And um, it was very like it's, it gets very nerve wracking in the in the green room waiting to get your call. But um, once you're called by the team, it's a, it's it's a great feeling. It's you know everybody's dream to get drafted and um, to be able to attain that is something that's super special. So um, I was very fortunate to be able to enjoy that moment with my family and everybody that was there to support me at the time. So um, it was a lot of fun. And then I mean, obviously leading up to the draft is a lot of meetings, a lot of workouts, a lot of all these different things for teams because they want to know about you and learn about you and those things. So um, it gets kind of stressful leading up to it. And then once you can finally get get drafted, it's kind of like a, a sigh of relief. It's like, you know, you, you, you know where you're going, you know, what's coaching staff is going to be your, your coaching staff and things like that. So. No, you've just discussed the enormity of being picked in the first round. And then once you have been selected by the team, you then have to focus on, you're going to go and be a part of that team and go to training camp 
just your experience of the transition from the college game into the NFL and how different it was. Yeah, no, it's been it's definitely been different. It's uh, the speed of the game's a little bit faster. People, you know, guys are smarter. Um, the knowledge of the game is a lot higher. Um, so it's definitely a little bit different. And uh, you know, there's a learning curve. Uh, you know, how to um, adapt to the game when you get to that level. And um, it was definitely different. But uh, you know, I think everybody kind of goes through those growing pains. So um, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, no, no less an authority than the uh, greatest coach of all time, Mr. William Belichick, has commented on the tight end position, saying how it's probably the most important chess piece on the offense because the tight end, effectively, and what you do there can dictate the defense, and it can be a true difference maker, whether in the passing game or the running game. Obviously, you're one of uh, a select few of tight ends, really, that have a really strong all-round game in both facets. Um, how important is it for you to be that kind of all-round, both blocker and pass catcher, um, to really supplement, obviously, that Broncos uh, offense? Yeah, no, it's it's definitely very important. I think that's what the Broncos look for me, um, especially just being a versatile, like you were saying, a guy that they can move around, a guy that can do a multiple different things. So um, that's definitely very important. And obviously, you know, I want to be able to fill my job description with the Broncos and do the best I can for them. So. Um, that's definitely a very important thing to me and uh, you know, hopefully can keep building on that too. No, we had Justin Simmons on, I think it was two or three weeks ago, Justin Simmons came on and the one thing that we really got from the call, uh, it just resonated with us, was that real the confidence, the, the mood of freshness in the camp with the new GM and George Payton. Um, how, what's it been like for the last few weeks? You know, I, I'm, I'm presuming that you're, that you're raring to go, but is there that sort of freshness and that, and that real motivation just to go for the season? No, yeah, for sure. I think I think Mr. Payton has, uh, you know, he's brought a, a new um, kind of like an aura and like you were saying, like a freshness to the team and like a very hungry guy that wants to get things going and wants to win. So um, it's definitely it's definitely refreshing and a lot of fun, you know, to see him, you know, do his job and do his work and everything like that. And, you know, he's been, you know, in trade talks and all these other different things and, you know, got um you know, got has gotten a couple of guys in free agency also. So it's been it's been cool to see. It's a, obviously I know just as much as everybody else because I don't get in on those meetings. But um, it's been cool to watch from afar and see what you know what they've all been doing, and it's it, and it's very encouraging to see. So. Now, over the last four years, we've seen Von Miller hold uh, a pass rush summit, right, where he gets all the pass rushes from all around the league to get together, they talk about the position, things that they can kind of learn from one another. Could you ever see something like that happening at the, the tight end position, where there's like a tight end summit with you and, and, and George Kittle, Kelsey, and, and the others from around the league? Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that's that's a good possibility. There's been talks about it already. I don't know, you know, the exact logistics of it yet, but um, I think that's definitely going to be, you know, something that's going to be coming in the near future. So hopefully, you know, all of the guys can get it ironed out and, you know, figure out a time to do it. But that would definitely be very important, you know, to get all of those guys, all those tight ends together. And, you know, like you said, kind of do the same thing and uh, bounce ideas off each other and, um, you know, be able to learn from each other. So. Got a question, Brian? Yeah, I do. Sorry, no, I jumped off there. Uh, just uh, in terms of next week on the draft, is there any particular players that you have a, a strong relationship with? I know they're a couple of years younger, but is there any players that you're looking out for in the first round that you're hoping to see get into the league? Um, like see to the Broncos or just seeing to get just just, just happy to see people in general getting into the league. I got you. Um, yeah. So I I've been training with a couple of guys. I was training out with a couple of guys in California. Um, Pat Fryermuth is a guy that you know I'm excited to see where he goes. Um, another one's Hunter Long. Um, Kate Johnson was one of my really good friends from um, back home in Omaha. He plays slot receiver. So I'm excited to see all those guys, you know, get drafted and, you know, get their chance at the NFL. And, you know, we'll see which round and where, you know, what team they go to. But, you know, I'm excited for them either way. So uh, I think they'll have bright futures, though. Uh, no, if they if you ever do have that tight end university camp and everything, I'm gonna have to try and get in touch with you as our special correspondent for, for telling us what's the goings on and how it's all going out there. Yeah. But um, I'm I'm also just curious. Always when we're talking to players, you know, and you you're in the league a couple of years now at this stage, but I'm always fascinated. I think we're always fascinated over here. Is like, what's the moment for you that was like the big 
welcome to the NFL or like this is the pro game? I mean, is it that first snap, that first game, or is it something further on down that season that kind of stands out or stood out for you? Yeah, I really think it's just like that first game when you really come into the stadium, all the fans are in there, you're screaming and yelling and all that stuff. I think that's kind of your moment. It's just like, wow, like this is really cool. Like I'm in the NFL type thing. So um, that was definitely for me, you know, our first home game. Um, which was a, a lot of fun and it, it was a good time. So uh, I, I think that was the one that really good, you know, was that, oh, this is the, this is the NFL type moment. So. Noah, just the last question from us, obviously me and Colin here are Broncos fans. So we're a little bit, we're a little bit biased, but the schedule's out May the 12th. Is there one team you're looking at? Let's, let's open up because for us, man, I don't think Colin, we can take another year of Monday night football just because of the time difference. You can't do it. That like those games are like three in the morning, the late game. Who who are you marking yourself on? Because the Broncos have really started at home a lot. I think over the last, I'd love to see the stop, but over the last ten years they've started mm-hmm. at home quite a lot. Yeah. Um you said so you're saying like who am I looking forward to playing? Yeah, like if if, if you had to pick one to start the season with uh, in September, would it be one? Ooh. Um that's a tough one. Honestly, if I had to pick one team that that I if I chose I wanted to play, it would be the Buccaneers again because you know obviously they won the Super Bowl and we were playing them and we you know the game was close for a while so um, I would want to play you know play against them at full strength and you know see where we match up at so. Well, fair play. Uh, no, I think that's a testament to your uh, your character wanting to to test yourself against the best. And look, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule today to talk to us and to talk to fans uh, on this side of the, the world. And we'd love to have you on again at some point in the future. But thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, no problem, guys. Thanks, have a good day, Noah. Thanks, All the best. Take care. And we got there. Thanks to Noah for his patience. I know he's a busy man, and you know there could be no homework coming in live. So, and that that wasn't working. So, Noah, thanks very much for your time, man. We massively appreciate it. You can check out Noah Fant. I think it's at NR Fant on Twitter as well. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll 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 link it onto the Twitter for our account at IRE NFL Show. Lads, we have one more guest coming on in a few minutes. Uh, Brian, a Bears fan, yes? Yeah, a very yeah, a long-standing Bears fan, same generation as me. He has all the years of supporting the Bears, and he's been through some good times and bad times, but. He, He's got a lot of stories to tell. But, uh, so, Brian, when were the good times for the Bears? They got to the championship oh, game in 2011. I think. We had Mike Singletary on, didn't we? Yeah, 2011, Jay Cutler brought them to the championship game. They lost to the Packers in Soldier Field, you know. I'm still trying to justify that as a good time. But yeah, okay. This, this particular guy had a lot of Jay Cutler jerseys as well over his, over his time. And, and I've been Can I just take this? I've been doing a lot of NFL lights for this guy, so... <laughs> Boys, can I just take this opportunity? I think this guy, this guy is Joe, uh, Brian, yeah? Joe? No, it's not Joe, no. Joe? Uh, sorry, I, re- I realized Mark called Joe and Joe at one point, so I wanted to just put that on, on the public. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, joking, I, I, I'm joking. I know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all good crack tonight because we obviously announced that we are we're going on the TV and we'll, we'll talk about it more maybe towards the end of the show. But I want to take a, just a couple of minutes, boys, or maybe a minute or so, just to thank uh, the guys over at AFI, America Football Ireland, especially Paul O'Donnell, who was on the show last week. They shared a flat out on their, on their social media as well. So, uh, and I know they're watching. So, thanks very much. Let's go, Donegal, Derry Vipers, boys. I mean, unless, until there's a team in Toronto. I mean, is there a team in Toronto? I, I don't know. I'm going to get maybe, done maybe now if take, there is. Maybe, maybe you no, should take up head coaching. And, and I might up. start the Dungannon. Dungannon. I've got a Donkeys. No, that's, that's not a good one. That, no, no, Brian, Brian, you can't take a name that's reserved for the Gaelic football team. Oh, um, the, the Gaelic football team are true champions. We've got Noel Dowling coming on. Uh, I'm presuming that, now, uh, that Brian, in his infinite wisdom, is going to sort that one out and, and give Noel the invite. But he's more than welcome to call any time to talk bears. But column, column, it sounds like me, you, Brian, I, and Mark are going to do our best impression of uh, Dickie Rock and uh, a few other boys on, on RTE from the 1990s, yeah? Yeah, the, the gang the gang go on TV. We will be on Virgin Media Sport on Wednesday evening, just after the Champions League semi-finals, with a draft preview show where we look ahead to uh, what we think uh, may transpire or what team needs are uh, over the, the uh, just over 24 hours later. And uh, we also have a, a special guest joining us on Wednesday, right, Brian? 
Yeah, yeah, one of the best reporters in the game from NFL Network, Ian Rappaport. And most NFL fans in Ireland, UK, across Europe, you know, they follow him, they see his tweets, you know, daily updates. You can't get any better place to go in tennis, knowing what's going on in the NFL every day. So we are very fortunate to have him come on and be the first guest on the Irish NFL show, the draft show, shall we call it, on Virgin Media Sports during the week. Hey. Mark, just before we bring in our guest who is waiting and welcome for waiting, but uh, have you any comments to make in this? Obviously, I think you were, what, 20 the, whenever RT had the Super Bowl in 1991. I actually wasn't born. I wasn't born for another four weeks, uh, so I'm just going to put that out there. I still think I'm the second youngest on this call, but still, um, besides besides that, no, I mean, like, it's fascinating. It's fantastic. Like, um, you know, we're all very passionate about NFL. We've seen the proliferation of the media rights and the growth in the UK from squirreling to watch one game at night or highlights on channel four or one game on monday night on channel five or something like that uh, to where the growth of the game has occurred on uk terrestrial tv but look we passionately believe in terms of uh, a voice and talking about it from an irish perspective bringing the irish fans as you mentioned paul o'donnell on the ifai on obviously last week as well and also like just you know, the connections maybe between Ireland and America are stronger than they've been between some countries at times. And uh, we love our NFL. Delighted to be on the show. Uh, delighted for the support, obviously, of Virgin uh, in relation to it, who are obviously keen to expand out the interest in American football as well. So looking forward to it, guys. I think everybody will enjoy it. Um, there might be a joke or two. There might be a bit of discussion, but... Covering all 32 teams in under an hour, it's a pretty uh, impressive achievement ahead. So looking forward to it. And I'm glad as well last week, I should have said, sorry I missed Paul, but I didn't really want to talk about Julian Edelman retiring. It's you were you weren't here last week. I'm just he was, he was he was crying tears tears of sadness. But anytime, anytime there's bad pages news, Marco's missing. Mike, Michael, can I make one point about the fact you said that uh, you weren't even born the last time the Super Bowl was on RTA? I was. 13 years of age, and I was allowed to stay up for that Super Bowl because the Giants played in it. So that's just showing Brian, my age. Brian, I was 11 when Robbie Keane scored against Germany. So we're going to leave it there. While you all argue about ages, can I just say thanks to everyone for all the kind messages and support yes. on Twitter uh, yes, this absolutely. evening? Absolutely. Uh, we, we appreciate it. And uh, Stephen O'Rourke, who willed it into existence, I think, by putting it out into the ether that Virgin Media Sports should have the NFL, and, and now we do. But no, seriously, thanks to everyone who has uh, reached out to us. We, we very much appreciate it. Great, massively cool. appreciate Thank it. You. And uh, of course, and obviously, thanks again as well to. Uh, Pondit Arena, who, who this show tonight is presented by, and there's some great content coming on next week, which will be announced tomorrow uh, after the sixth one. Um, get back to <laughs> so uh, we are joined tonight, gentlemen, by a Bears fan, Noel Dowling. No, now, Noel, welcome to the show. How's it going, man? Welcome in. Oh, good. It's all good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Of course, uh, usually, no, we ask people, have you any Irish heritage? But I mean, like, Jesus, like, I mean, you know. <laughs> it's, it's in the name. It's in the name, the Irish Bears. Well, first of all, I just want to say congratulations to all you guys on, on your news today. Um, as an Irish fan, you know, it's, it's fantastic to see the way your show has gone. And to have an actual Irish NFL show on the, on the telly, just congratulations. It really is fantastic. Thank you, no, thank you very much. We, I got a bit confused today when I saw he's had a big announcement tonight at nine o'clock. I thought, Jesus, they're really pushing my interview. This is great. And then uh, <laughs> I saw I was about to tell you, and I thought, oh, oh yeah, fair enough. We'll give them that. Well, none, nonetheless, we're still happy to, to have you on. And look, the the story of uh, of this, uh, you know, I suppose the, the Bears, like perennially, is is the quarterback. Um, and um, I'm just, um, I suppose, wondering, you know, what what your thoughts are um, in terms of Andy Dalton, and do you think there's a possibility the Bears might try to to move up uh, on uh, on Thursday night? Oh no, I definitely think they're looking to move up. I mean, Pace wouldn't be doing his job if he, if he wasn't at least making calls to see what what it's going to take. Uh, I mean, the teams being mentioned are Falcons and Panthers. And to be honest, I, I think it's probably going to cost a bit too much. To, well, definitely for the, Fal the Falcons, probably for the Panthers. But still, I, I definitely think it's something they're looking into because they, they have to. Like, they've, they've no choice but to look into it. 
No, you know, there was there was weeks on the end where the Bears were being linked to Russell Wilson. And <clears throat> it's funny, we spoke to Adam Rank yesterday and he compared, you know, Russell Wilson to going out with, with Katy Perry as opposed to uh, his wife. So, funny, <laughs> very funny story. But surely Andy Dalton right now is the right situation for 12 months and, and potentially come back around in 12 months and try to pursue results. No, I think Dalton, I mean, look, to be honest, I wasn't over the moon when I saw the signing went through, but... In fairness, when you sit down and think about it, it it's probably the sensible decision to make. Uh, I mean, Dalton is what he is. He's going to be a one-year bridge quarterback, and they're going to have a chance to either find a new quarterback in the draft, or, as you say, maybe they take a run at Wilson next year and see see where things stand there. No, I have to just quote this. The Packers are the best organization I ever played for. The Bears are where quarterbacks go to die. Now, if anyone said that, that would hurt. But when Jim McMahon comes out and says that, as a Bears fan, as you have been for many, many years, I mean, man, that's got to hurt. Uh, the first thing I done is I Googled, uh, I Googled McMahon at the White House in his Bears jersey when he went with the Packers just to try and calm myself down a bit. But um, no, look, let's be honest. It's probably, it's probably correct. As much as we may hate, we may hate to hear it, Fact of the matter is, I mean, at times when you talk about the quarterback in Chicago, you still talk about Sid Luckman. I mean, you know, it's Luckman and it's Cutler. So, look, I, I think the Bears fans, like, who are upset about it just have to face facts that that's where we are at the moment. And hopefully hopefully things will change, but they haven't <laughs> in a long time. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, don't, sleep, just... don't sleep on Jim Harbour. Jim Harbour as well. Well, no, 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 Jim Harbour. Yeah. There were some quarterbacks with some good years, but you know, if you want to look at a consistent quarterback, I don't think we've had too many. Can I just thank uh, at JST85 who's recommended Dungannon drop kicks? So, as the GM of Dungannon drop kicks, boys, I'm gonna I'm gonna start that uh, very quickly. M more to come on that next week. Thanks also to Brian who gave away one of our guests on draft week. If anybody was listening very well there, but all good, it's all good, uh, man. What's your like? And I, I am gonna. Do you know what? I'm not sure if you've seen um, Claire the Bear's profile. A big, massive Bears fan in England. Yes, seen? yeah, I've seen her. Yeah. yeah, she's like, and to be fair to Claire, um, unbelievable supporter of the show, and she's probably the biggest Bears fan on Twitter in the sense that we're just with her following, like over twelve thousand followers, massive account, massive following. But uh, I, I, I'm like, you know, we're we're gonna try and get her on over the next few weeks. But I'll ask you this, and I'll ask her this in a few weeks. What's your favorite Bears memory just in your lifetime in terms of supporting the Bears? Uh, the favorite Bears memory actually comes in a game that I don't want to remember, but it's it's Hester returning the, the Super Bowl kick kickoff. Um, I may have even made a few quid on that that night. So that, that was a happy start to a game. But I mean, and in general, watching Hester over that couple of seasons was just week in, week out. It was just exciting to watch him. But I'll go to the Super Bowl kickoff. That was a special, special start to a game that did not end too well. Better than watching Rich Grossman, though. Grossman, Grossman. No, Rex, yeah. Another quarterback, I forgot to mention. Yeah. Another one, yeah. No, I'm, I'm wondering, can you... I, I started um, a free Alan Robinson campaign because I believe <laughs> that he is an absolutely amazing wide receiver who has been held hostage in the city of Chicago and forced to play with substandard uh, QB play. But can you convince me that, if, that the Bears are, are going to do things to, to help and at least add weapons to support Alan Robinson as he carries the entire franchise on his back? Okay, let me think of this one for a second. No, I, I, I do. I, I mean, I think at this stage, I think Nagy and Pace, are, their seat is definitely hot at this stage. Um, and I think they, they've got to be looking at some sort of option to come in. Now, if they bring in a rookie quarterback, I don't know how that helps Robinson, you know, in the next year or two. But um, I don't know. It, it, it's a hard one. I mean, Nagy was the offensive guru who was going to come in and fix everything. And I don't think our team has been ranked any higher in the 20s in the three years he's been there on offense. So, no, unfortunately, I can't give you those assurances, Colin, I'm afraid. But I keep my fingers crossed every offseason. In fact, I think last year the offense needed to take an upward curve and Nagy handed over the, the reins in terms of the offense. But one player I want to talk to you now about is Kyle Fuller. He's gone to the Broncos. The two lads were delighted to see him go to the Broncos. 
And I kind of got the impression a lot of Bears fans were disgruntled by the fact that a really good player and has been a consistent player for the Bears over the last few years was allowed was was allowed to leave. Um, was that the general consensus of the Bears fans that they were disappointed to lose a player of his capabilities? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, look, at the end of the day, the Bears had a few holes going into this offseason, and what they ended up having to do with Fuller is create a new hole they didn't have in the first place. Um, and it, it was just a sign of bad cap management at the end of the day. <clears throat> I mean, look, I know Pace will say that you can't foresee the, the coronavirus and, and the pandemic coming. The fact is, teams who took care of their cap didn't find themselves in that situation. And teams that kept restructuring deals and kicking the can down the road found themselves like that. And I mean, in fairness to Fuller, they'd restructured them before and they went back to him again, tried to restructure him. He wasn't having it. And at that stage, they tried to trade him, but sure, everybody knows they can't keep him. He won't restructure. So let's just sit back and see what happens. And, you know, bad cap management happened and, and he had to walk. I mean, at the end of the day, you, you can't keep a corner. Like, he is a very good cornerback. He's not the he's not a top class one, but he's a very good, consistent one. But you can't have a cap hit of twenty million for an average, not an average for a good cornerback. Mm. So it, it was just bad cap management that came back to bite him in the end. Uh, I, I think it's on Netflix. You can get the trial of the Chicago Seven, but uh, Colin's yeah. working on the sequel, the the uh, freedom of the Chicago One. There, obviously, <laughs> to to get there. No, no, we're giving your Bears a bit of a hard time and everything. But like, as with every team in the NFL, there's only 32 teams. There is quality in those teams. So I mean, like, maybe you could I don't know, educate us and listeners as to well who are the unsung heroes and the real talented players in the Bears that may be going below the radar because of the overall state of the franchise or indeed because of the, the lack of media attention because of what their performance has been like over the, the last little while? Uh, well, I think one player is, is David Montgomery. I think to, the, to people outside Chicago who aren't paying much attention, they'll just see that he's not getting much yards. But when you look deeper, you, you see how far behind the line he gets hit every time he gets the ball. And later on in the season, when they, they had to make a few changes on the O-line, and when they changed the play caller, and they actually started running the ball, Montgomery gets there, and he ends up, I think he was the, maybe around the seventh highest rusher, or maybe not there, but around that number. And he got over 1,000 yards, and it turned out he can actually run the ball when they give him a chance, when they give him an O-line that can give him some sort of space. Uh, I mean, I think Darnell Mooney didn't go under the radar. He kind of popped onto the radar, but he's a good young player who... I mean, he had his rookie season, so fingers crossed it's going to continue in that vein. You know, but, I mean, there, there, there are some good players in there. There are some good young players who are coming through. Cole Komet looks like he could be a good player as he gets a bit more experience. So it's, 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 not, all, it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all lost. But there are just some things that just need to be, need to be changed for, for the rest of the players to really get that opportunity to, you know, to do what they can do. Can I just publicly say... One hour and four minutes into this show, very quietly. Uh, my team, I would take Andy Dalton. I would start Andy Dalton. So I'm just going to put that out there and move on very quickly. Uh, Komet, I, I completely agree. I think he could be a very, very good player for the Bears. Uh, my last question, Mr. Darling, is this. What's the, I mean, obviously the interest levels there, of course, for Thursday night, but is it a big thing in your house? Are you going to have the Friday off, you know, second screen with us, have a bit of crack or... Are you going to wake up on Friday morning and think, there he is, future Hall of Famer? Or, oh, I can't believe we dropped. I can't believe we dropped. Are you serious? What's the thought? No, no. Friday night will be up. The, NF the Irish NFL show will be on. And I'll be, uh, I'll, I have Friday off. So I'll be up all night watching that. Yeah. I know. Look, at the end of the day, the draft is, is great. The build up, you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to go up? Are we going to go down? Are we, you know, who's going to be there? And I mean, even, you know, you look at the mock drafts and you're like, that's, that's rubbish. That's not happening. Or, or I like that. I just love the whole build up to it. So, you know, I'll, I'll definitely be up watching. No, we've, I've given, I've given your bears a, a hard time in fairness. Um, but yeah, I, me I, too, you know, so it's okay. I, I do think Alan Robinson deserves, uh, you know, a, a better QB, but one of the players who I, think is outstanding and doesn't didn't get the recognition from the league last year that he should Roquan Smith he is ridiculous like ridiculously good um talk to us about as, as a as somebody who gets to, to watch him at our you know at least um you know on tv every week just uh how, how impressed are you by him no no absolutely Roquan is he's he's following a tradition of fantastic Chicago Bears linebackers he is a 
he's an excellent young player. So, yeah, I, I don't even know where, where you go. He is, I think over the next few years, he will definitely become the heart of the defence. You know, that, that kind of player that will, you know, you, you'll look out for. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't have enough good things to say about Roquan. Fantastic player. And one of Pace's few, you know, hits in the draft. Well, higher-ranked draft players. No, Michael is the John Gruden of this show because he, everybody else's quarterback is the best quarterback, you know, as opposed to Drew Locke. But my last question for you is, on the basis that the Bears don't move up, and I know everybody's doing mock drafts this time of year, including yourself, what do you, if they stay as the air, what, what do you believe they will do? They will, will they look for getting an explosive player, both whether an offensive defense, or will they try to secure the quarterback with protection? Um. Just looking at the draft and looking looking at what players you think are actually going to be there at 20, I think you're probably looking at a, a tackle. Um, you're probably, I mean, obviously Sewell and Slater are going to be gone, probably there. So, so you're looking at maybe Jenkins or uh, even, I haven't seen him mentioned too much, but even Cosme, who I think is a, is a good player. But I, I think you're possibly looking at, at the tackles come in and to try and solidify that line. Noel, thank you so much for joining us this evening. We're going to wrap up for now. We hope your Bears either free Alan Robinson or, or at least make it more interesting than that NFC North next season with a good draft. But at the Irish Bears 1 is where you'll get Noel Downing on. Da, on hey, da Bears. Da, da Bears, da bears Mark. Come on. But thanks so much for joining us, Noel. And a big thanks to all our guests this evening. Uh, John, John, Mercato from the Athletic, and uh, the irrepressible tight end from the Dal Denver Broncos, nearly called the Dallas Broncos, Denver Broncos, Noah fans, of course. For all the listeners tonight, of course, don't forget next week is draft week, and we're going to have you covered wall-to-wall -wall with coverage, and it all starts here, as you'll see, especially Thursday night, 11.30. We will be live, and we will be all the way through the night with the first round of the draft. But with a bunch of great guests next week, and also, don't forget, Virgin Media Sport next Wednesday at 10.30 after the Champions League, the draft show brought to you by the Irish NFL show, the first Irish broadcast of American football in 30 years. Um, gents, it's always a pleasure every Friday night. It's been a big Friday for all of us in relation to it. And uh, look forward to seeing you next week. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We are with Friday, you all, all week. We are Friday, Saturday as well. Also, don't forget, check out, you can get us on uh, the podcast. So if you didn't get to catch it all this evening, uh, check us out on all your favorite podcasting platforms. And the one thing I'm going to close the show with, boys, is this. Thursday night, as Mark says, it all starts here. At, it starts at 1 a.m. At two minutes past one, when Roger Goodell walks on that stage and says, the Jaguars are nine o'clock. 